Today's question for the pastor is one that I've been asked many, many times over the last 30 years of pastoral ministry. It's an important question, a question about God's grace, and I'm going to respond to that question and share important announcements with you in this week's Midweek Connection. It's Wednesday, November the 8th, 2023. for this week. First, Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Collection is this Sunday, November the 12th, which means we need all of the shoeboxes brought to the church that day so that we can prepare them for shipping so that they'll arrive in time for Christmas. So, I want to encourage you to get those last items and follow the instructions on finalizing your box and then bring it with you Sunday as you gather for worship. We will take some time in our gathering to offer a prayer of dedication for the gospel witness that the shoeboxes will bring to children and their families. Number two, men's breakfast is coming up Saturday, November the 18th at 8 a.m. As always, a delicious breakfast will be served, and one of our elders, David Cortner, will bring the next segment of our series, Priorities of a Godly Man. The topic for that day is prioritizing your relationship with your wife, leading her spiritually. Now, I'm going to be there, so you be there, okay? All right. The 2023 Christmas Women's Event is coming up Sunday, December the 3rd. The event will be held in the Worship Center and runs from 5 to 7 p.m. The theme this year is Light of the World and includes a catered dinner, dessert, and a special message by guest speaker Nicole Young. The cost is $15, and you'll need to register by Sunday, November the 19th. You can register this Friday using the link provided in the email blast, or you can register Sunday in the Mission Cafe at the women's event table. Finally, number four. The second Sunday prayer gathering is this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. We'll be meeting in the community room. David Bush, one of our elders, will be leading. And uh, I'm going to be there, and you be there also. All right. Well, that does it for our announcements. Let's turn our attention now to questions for the pastor. Well, today's question for the pastor comes from a member who asks, What is the age of accountability for a child? You know, this is a very important question, and it does get asked a lot. So let me just rephrase it just a bit to make sure we're understanding what the question is. So here it is. Is there an age at which a child is not responsible for their inherited sin nature from their parents that if they should die before that age, God would cover them with His grace, bringing them into His presence even though there has been no repentance or faith on the child's part? It's an important question. Let me try to give a little bit of a, a story or illustration of the question. 
So let's say a one-year-old child dies. That's very tragic. We never want to see that happen, but let's just suppose that's happening. And we know, of course, that they were born spiritually dead, which is a condition inherited by their, from their parents. But at the age of one, we know that they have not developed enough cognitively to act on that nature, nor can they actively reject Christ, nor can they choose to repent and express faith in Christ for salvation. So, with those things that we know, in this case, does God hold them accountable for sin or based on their innocence, meaning their inability to willfully commit sin, to willfully reject Christ, or even to willfully respond to His gospel? In that case, does He cover them with His saving grace? Well, if the answer is yes, He does, if that's the answer, then we have to ask, at what age uh, does uh, a child transition from innocence to accountable before God? Well, I'm going to begin my response here. There is no scripture that clearly defines an age at which a person is accountable for their sin before God. There is, however, Scripture that speaks to the issue of sin, and I want to take just a moment to share some of that with you. Scripture is clear that sin and death entered humanity through Adam, and that his fallen nature is then passed down to all. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that is, through Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Psalm 51.5, we find the inspired testimony of David that from the moment of his conception, he was spiritually fallen. He was a sinner. This is what he said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, David isn't saying that his mother conceived him in a sinful way. What he's saying is that from his conception, he was already lost. He was already in sin. So, Scripture is clear that the sin nature is passed down from the parent to the child, meaning that all people enter the world with a fallen nature that will, be, that will inevitably uh, lead them into their own personal sin. However, despite the inherent, the inherent <laughs> reality of our sin nature, one must mature to a certain point, not defined in Scripture, in order to actually act on that nature and commit their own personal sin. For example, an infant and or uh, very young children, say age of two and three years of age, we know they would not have the ability to understand right from wrong and then have the ability to reason within themselves to purposely commit wrong. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 39, God tells the rebellious Israelites who are not going to be allowed to go into the land of promise because of their sin, he says to them about their children that they have, quote, no knowledge of good or evil, but 
they shall go in there, meaning into the land of promise. And to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. So very young children uh, do not know right from wrong. It would seem as though God is not holding them accountable there, but certainly holding their parents accountable. But we know that some four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, some could make a conscious uh, purposeful choice to commit wrong because they're beginning to understand right from wrong. So the question on the table is, for those children who have not yet matured to a place where they can consciously commit sin or reject Christ, or for those who are cognitively deficient and never come to that place of maturity, regardless of what age they reach, does God's grace through Christ cover them should they die in that state? Well, again, there is no specific scripture that says that explicitly. So, what then are we to do with the question? Well, where Scripture does not speak specifically, we must turn to what Scripture tells us about the character and nature of God. Now, before I address God's nature and character on this topic, I want to highlight um, a belief that is part of Judaism that is certainly interesting in light of this question. For Jews, a child was not accountable to the law and therefore to God until the age of about 12 to 13. Until then, their parents were accountable for the children's, the child's actions. However, at the age of 12 to 13, there's a, a ceremony called bar mitzvah for the boys, bat mitzvah for the girls, that recognizes that they have come of age to the law and thus to God, and thus are now fully accountable to God for themselves. Well, that's an interesting concept. Not accountable till then. Now, while this has been part of Judaism over the millennia, there still is no place in Scripture where we can say that God confirms that a child is not accountable for sin until they are 12 to 13. And since there is no scripture that is definitive about an age of accountability, nor uh, direct revelation that says God does not hold infants and young children accountable for their sin nature, uh, we must then turn to scripture that defines the nature and character of God for help with the question. So what does the scripture tell us about the nature and character of God? Well, number one, it tells us that God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. God's not hateful. That's not His nature and character. He is love. Number two, we can discover that although God uh, will and does condemn, that is not His default position. John chapter 3, verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So there we see that while He will condemn, that's not His desire. He actually sent Jesus to bring salvation so that condemnation could be taken off the table, so to speak, for the individual. Number three, 
we find that God takes no pleasure in sending people to hell or in people going to hell. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, God says to his prophet, Say to them, that is to Israel, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Now here we find that God is not first and foremost one who is looking to condemn, but rather that the condemned actually turn from sin to him. Of course, the infant, the immature child, the cognitively disabled, they have no capacity to commit personal sin, nor do they have a capacity to turn to God. Number four on the issue of God's character and nature, God's wrath is expressed toward those who live in unbelief. John chapter 8, verse 24 I told you that you would die in your sins, Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he who will, uh, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, clearly, infants, um, the cognitively disabled, and children who have not yet reached a level of maturity to know right from wrong, they cannot believe. They cannot reject. So, since they cannot do what Jesus said, believe, and they cannot reject, then we would have to say that they do not fall in the category of those who do not believe, which is the focus of God's wrath on those who do not believe. Number five, God's wrath is set against those who choose to rebel against Him. Uh, this was certainly true of Adam. He chose to rebel against God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It's also true of all people, really, who know about God, but choose to disregard or to rebel against Him. We see that in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. But we discover, as we think about this, that infants and children who have yet to reach a level of maturity to know right from wrong, they do not have the capacity to know God and to turn their backs on Him in rebellion. So, what does all of this say to us about the question at hand? Well, my summary statement is this, that God is just, and He has no problem punishing those who willfully sin and reject Him. However, God is also excessively merciful, desiring sinners to turn to Him to receive His grace and mercy. Clearly, it is just to condemn one to eternal hell who had the capacity to understand sin, who had the capacity to commit their own sin, and who reject God's grace. But given what we've seen in this little talk, the scriptures we've looked at, things that we've learned about God's character, it would seem unjust for God to condemn one who did not possess this capacity before they died. In the end, then, there is no clear evidence of the exact time that a person is held accountable to God. Only He knows, and so we must trust in Him whose love for sinners is so great that He gave His only Son to give His life to bring salvation to those who deserve condemnation.
As for us, as parents, we must do our best to lead our children through direct teaching as well as example toward the knowledge of sin, that they may come to know what is right and wrong, and toward the grace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must commit the salvation of our children to daily prayer, asking God to open their eyes, to draw them to faith in Christ, and to do so at the earliest possible age. Well, those are my thoughts about this idea of the age of accountability. The bottom line is we do not find uh, an exact uh, scripture that says it's at this age or that age or the other age. But when we look at the nature and character of God, we see that He is loving, He is merciful, He is kind, and there's no reason to believe that He holds those who cannot even understand right from wrong or make conscious choices of rejection or belief against uh, those who are in that position. All right. Well, let's take a few moments now to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and for the way in which you bring truth to bear for us so that we may know what is true about you, about your expectations, and about um, what your heart is for for us. And Lord, I'm grateful to know that you love us enough that you sent Jesus to give his life on the cross, to pay our sin debt, to rise from the dead, to bring a new eternal life to us. And Lord, you uh, bring your gospel to us and invite us to come to you. Uh, Lord, thank you for the salvation you've brought in my life and the salvation that you've brought in the lives of so many who are watching this uh, Midweek Connection today. Lord, as we think about the, the, those who are cognitively impaired, those who are infants, those who are, are so young that they don't even know right from wrong, uh, we find in your word that you are a God of love, a God of mercy. Uh, you do not rejoice in uh, those who perish, uh, but Lord, your heart is for them to come to repentance. It would seem to me that you uh, extend your grace to those who are in that position, and I'm grateful for that. And Lord, I just pray that you would comfort the heart of parents who might be concerned about that, but also that you would motivate them to do all that they can to teach their children and model for their children what it means to believe in Jesus and to walk with Him faithfully. And Lord, for the children that are out there, may they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus at the earliest possible age. That is my prayer, and I offer it to you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this coming Sunday brings us to Revelation chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. And we'll be looking at Jesus' letter to the church in Sardis, which is known as the Lifeless Church. I look forward to unpacking that with you. I look forward to our fellowship and our worship together. Until then, God bless and have a great week.